Hello, Rochester, New York. It's Beautiful Anonymous. One hour, one phone call. No names, no holds barred. I'd rather go one-on-one. I think it'll be more fun. And I'll get to know you, and you'll get to know me. Hi, everybody. Chris Gethard here. It's a joy and an honor to be able to welcome you to another episode beautiful anonymous i'm in a weird spot i uh you may have you may remember i canceled my tour but I, you know part of the tour was i was going to visit my parents so what i did was i rented an rv so i'm coming to you from the back of an rv in a state park in florida that's a weird one that's something i never thought i'd be able to say speaking of the tour this week's episode is a live episode. It's our live episode that we recorded up in Rochester. Everybody who's up at Rochester, thank you for coming out. I I have not forgotten this one. I'm sure you have not either. And what a lovely time. The people of Rochester were great. Thanks to everybody at the venue. It was awesome. And, you know, you may remember I just announced that we delayed the whole tour. All the dates that were for January and February got pushed. They've been rescheduled for May and June. And if you want to come out, chrisgeth.com. If you already bought tickets, they will be honored. If the new dates don't work and you need refunds, just let us know. Let the venue know, is what I should say. Don't let me personally know. I can't personally refund your ticket. Let the venue know. Let take care of you. And hopefully by May and June, things will be feeling really good. So if you want to come out, see where those new dates are at, chrisgeth.com. All the old dates have been rescheduled. Plus, we got new ones in West Virginia and North Carolina and Pennsylvania. So maybe I'll see you there. But let's talk about what happened in Rochester. That's what's most important. Um, there's comparing... Rochester local food to British food because our caller is English. There's uh, scatological stories, but most importantly, something that I think is really probably more present now than we realize. And I bet sociologists are going to like this one. I bet there's sociologists in this world who are going to want to archive this one. This is a caller who used to be more interested in sex than she is. She just straight up is less interested in it not feeling it, has gotten more into bread during the pandemic. I bet this pandemic is redefining a lot of people. I bet there's a lot of people who used to be very sexually free and exploratory in their lives who are going, it's not my thing anymore. I bet there's people who used to be real puritanical about it, wound up tight, who are going, I'm going to let my freak flag fly. I bet there's people who used to be real into collecting baseball cards and they're like, I'm just not interested. In other words, I feel like a lot of people are being rewired your interests, your hobbies, your pursuits, the ways that you're finding your dopamine. And this caller is a great example of that and is also quite charming and listenable. And the live crowd is great and contributes so much. Really think you're going to enjoy this call. Tell your friends about it. Don't forget to subscribe. All that good stuff. Enjoy it, everybody. Thank you for calling Beautiful Anonymous. A beeping noise will indicate when you are on the show with the host, Hello. Hi. No way. Yeah. Is this Chris? <laughs> <laughs> this, this is, no. This is Chris and a couple hundred very friendly and supportive people in Western New York. That's who this is. Oh, fuck. <laughs> I'm literally putting in toast. Have some love hack and marmite, which is a very English thing to have. At, um... 11 p.m. at night. <laughs> Hello, everyone. 
Now, everyone already likes okay. you because you have a ch very charming accent. I was going to say, I already like, planned what I was going to say, which is like, I already know that I'm going to sound stilted in English and that you're going to sound really beautifully American and lyrical. And I'm just going to sound like I own like ponies and an estate in England. But I don't. So wait, you're in England and you think Americans sound lyrical? Yeah, I don't know. Whenever I speak to Americans, I'm just so aware of how British my accent sounds. Like, also listening to English people that have been on your show before, I'm always like, ah, oh, God, it sounds so awful. But it's the opposite in real life. See, I think our impression, and I don't want to speak for everyone in the room, is that the English death generally think that our accents mark us as uneducated um, trash people. <laughs> That's how we usually think the English yeah, are, are I, thinking of us. Yeah. I, I, yeah, but I don't know what it is. Like, when you actually hear, like, an American, like, as an English person in my head, my accent just sounds awful in comparison to yours. Your accent now is beautiful. Now I don't know beautiful. what to do, Chris. I'm like, I'm trying, I'm, I need to talk to you, but I also need to butter my toast. Wait, what was the last part? So I, you know, I, like, I, uh, <laughs> I need to continue talking to you, but I also have this piece of toast that's come out of the toaster. And I had to oh, how delightfully English. You have to choose between a pleasant <laughs> conversation and a wee piece of toast. I mean, you can't really have a conversation with someone who's English without a wee piece of toast. Feel free to, you can nibble on some toast while we talk. I won't be offended. It'll sound really crunchy and delicious. It'll be like an advert. What's that? Sound like an advert. Oh no, we're going to leave each other. <gasps> An advert? Yeah, an uh, advert for toast and butter. You'll be happy to hear that the crowd is now explaining your English um, <laughs> abbreviations to me. The crowd is going, she means advertisement, Chris. Don't forget. What? You have a longer word for advert. Advertisement. Or as some, by some places it's advertisement, but we say advertisement. Or we just say commercials. Ads. We call them ads. Yeah, we so call like, them ads. I mean, most of us call them push the 30-second forward button. That's what most of us call them. <laughs> if you are able to, like, get on a streaming service, obviously. That's true. So what would you like to yeah, talk you're about tonight? Enough to have Netflix. Well, as I said to Jared, I was very excited that I got on the phone to Jared. I, honestly, I just sat down on the floor because my knees just got weak. But as I said to Jared, I just wanted to talk about how, like, life is really great. But then I realized as I was waiting, listening to music, that I would like to discuss with you. Um, I realized I also wanted to talk about sex, which I, well, I don't know if you want to talk about that as well. Do you want to talk about how life is great and also sex? <laughs> yeah. But yeah. actually, how life is great, but controversially, sex is not that great. Isn't that weird? Okay, let's get chatting. We, we only have an hour, so yeah, tell me what... Let's get everything out on the table here. I honestly can't believe I'm on the phone to you. This is this was a really random call. I feel very sorry. I mean, I, this is the first time I've called in, by the way, Chris. Okay. I'm, I'm, this is thrilling. I'm thrilled. Thrilled. I'm thrilled to have you. So, what makes life so Thanks. great, but what makes sex so bad? Wait, I'm going to have a bite of toast first before we get into this. Yeah. Understandable. Mm. And it goes, uh-huh, uh-huh. So, mm, mm -hmm. life's been really great recently for me because I've kind of like figured out what I wanted to do. I felt like, I'm going to 
wild. Get there. I worked in theatre, which I think you have an affinity to. Right. I just, I, I got to say, when you ate toast, I don't know if I'm the only one in the room, it did feel weirdly sexual. It had like some moans and pleasure to it, so I was a little distracted. So it sounds like that toast is really good. And this is, this is my second piece. It's not quite as good as the other one because I couldn't put Marmite on it because there was just not enough time to like, make it the best piece of toast because you called and interrupted my toast eating. I'm so sorry to inter interrupt your, your toast preparation. So you're saying life got really good and you do, you said, I think you told me what you do for work. What was it? Yeah, so I work in theatre mm -hmm. and I basically like keep leaving theatre and coming back to theatre and like leaving theatre and come back to theatre. I finally feel like I understand how to do theatre and it just feels really good to like actually figure out what your skills are. And you know, people tell you often, like, you're really good at mm, and you kind of take that compliment, you're like, oh, I actually just don't believe it. And it takes actually you believing it and no one else saying it to you to actually be good at something. And it, it's sort of like, yeah, it's sort of it's exciting to suddenly be at a point in life where I'm like, oh, I actually know that I'm good at stuff, finally. I can actually do things. I think that's incredible. And I actually can like tell people. Yeah, it's really cool. And when you work, when you say you work in theater, well, are you an are you an actor or do you work uh, more in like the backstage aspects of theater? I work as a, as a producer. As a producer, so I do like all the other stuff. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You've, yeah. you've stopped seeking well, the validation of others. You're realizing that you're actually good. You're embracing that, and that's making life good. I love that. Yeah. I mean, I wouldn't say I'm the best at it. I'm not, like, working in the West End, which you guys would know as Broadway. You like how I impersonated you guys. Broadway. Um, yeah. Like, I'm, I'm, I'm not killing it to like the standards that other people might think that I'd be killing it. But for me, I feel like I've got it. Eh, who cares about the West End? The West End, not everybody gets to work on Broadway. I've never worked on Broadway. That's fine. You just keep working. But maybe you in. will. And if, and if I don't, but that's fine too. Yet. And you don't know if you'll work on the West End. I saw a show. I, the first time I went to London, I went and saw that show, The Mousetrap. That's the one that's been running forever on the West End, right? And it's also the longest-running show that's written by a woman in the West End. Oh. But, like, the longest show in the West End and written by women. And it was, like, a time when it was the only female playwright on in the West End back in 2000 and whatever, before the pandemic. I saw that show in 2008, <laughs> and it's incredible that it's been running for so long. So I have seen some of your theater. That's cool that you're producing theater over there. Yeah, nice. Well, also, Chris, I feel like you need to come back and not see the mouse trap because I haven't seen the mouse trap, and it's just this thing. You need to go see some like good West End slash theater. I get the sense the that only, I don't know. <laughs> only American tourists are the ones seeing the mouse trap. Is the sense I get? Yeah. 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 Right. You should also go see Lemmy's. Lemmy's like that's also a, a tourist trap. I mean, it's, more, it's also great. Sorry, everyone who works in that show. No, I feel it. Let's do it. Let's slam, <laughs> slam some long-standing theater institutions that are for the sellouts and the fakers. Let's do it. I'll, I'll never fuck again. Now, 
Okay, you explained to me why life's so great. You found a profession where you feel like it's a good fit and you're, you're not seeking the validation yeah. of others. You just know intrinsically that you're good at what you're doing and that feels good. So now the second half of it, sex not so good. <laughs> Do you need to yeah, pause like and eat more toast or should we get into it? it? What was that? Before we move on to sex though, Chris, I would like to say that I have like flip-flopped out of the theater industry on and off. So it is a recent like realizing that like doing other things other than theater is good, realizing how great theater is. Anyway, isn't that the set? What was your question? I was going to ask if you needed a bite of toast before we got into the down and dirty sex talk. <laughs> yeah, I actually just, I was just eyeing my toast. <laughs> You're eyeing that toast up and down. Mm-hmm. Really obje- right, objectifying that toast with your eyes. <laughs> Thinking about sex, staring at toast. Mm. There is a lot of like whole butter butter has gone in. Very sourdoughy. Uh huh. Uh-huh. Mm. Some Burger. still warm sourdough. Bent out of the toaster a few months. Mm-hmm. Butter gently. Mm-hmm. 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 I can almost see it all the you way. You guys didn't have good bread over there, do you? You gotta get you guys what? Have bread with lots of sugar in it. Mm. Yeah, we do you have lots of sugar have in our bread. bread. Over that. I used, yeah, I used it's to have, crazy. I used to have ads on this show for English muffins that were weirdly sexual. Um, so I feel it's weird. It's weird to be sexualizing bread with an English person tonight because it feels like a theme in my life that I never asked for. That you mix English and bread with me, and all of a sudden things get steamy as hell. Yeah, I'm feeling really hot around the collar, Chris. I don't know about you, but... Let's pause there. Toast gets us all hot around the collar, right? Because it's a warm food? Maybe not in like a... Anyway, I I made this weird. Let's listen to some ads. We'll be right back. Thanks to all our advertisers who help us bring this show to the world. This is why the show exists. Now we get to get back to the phone call. You mix English and bread with me, and all of a sudden things get steamy as hell. (laughs) Yeah, I'm feeling really hot around the collar, Chris. I don't know about you, but... (laughs) Well, I'm stuffed full of potatoes and mustard and onions over here, so... I got to loosen the bell because of that. Anyway, so hubba hubba, hubba hubba. Okay, so what do you think? Why are we having potatoes and mustard? What a weird, like, why? Well, I feel like for any international, see, because now you're English, so I feel like we're going to be judged for this. But I'm in a city called Rochester, New York, which is a a great town. Um, It's about a six-hour drive from my house in New Jersey, six hours west. um, And one of their foods that the town is known for is a big pile of horrendous shit and it's called a garbage plate. So I feel like that maybe will ring as like uncouth American shit. It is truly, like the idea, if there's one, because it's like you get these stereotypes against Americans of like, why do the portions have to be so big and they just shovel food into their faces. And you want to say like, no, we have like Michelin starred restaurant. And then I'm in Rochester where I'm like, it's a pile of hot dogs and potatoes and macaroni salad. And you just shovel it into your fucking face like a barnyard animal with a death wish. 
sounds a bit like an English breakfast, to be honest. Mm-hmm. It's like a lot of a lot of shit on a plate that you just mix together and you shove in your mouth. Get it some is. beans, get some shrimp, get some sausage, get some bacon, get some bread all on one fork in your mouth. You really it. get it. That's a garbage plate. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm very into garbage food in general. Like, I, I live a pretty... I would say balanced, but balanced lifestyle where I like to exercise, but also just like eat kebabs and order pizza all the time. But maybe that's that's like the you know the the reward for for exercising is that I can eat shit. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's just the best. Why would you Why would you deny yourself a garbage plate when when there's a garbage plate on offer? Oh, I didn't deny myself the garbage plate. I got the garbage plate immediately and then got on stage to do a show, and I am regretting it. Are you, are you tired? Have you got the slump? No, if I'm going to be honest with you and the people of Rochester, I'm a little gassy, but we're, just, we're all dealing with it together. I feel like the crowd is laughing because they are not shocked based on my behavior and the faces I keep making to hear that this garbage plate got me a little gassy. It's got me a little gassy. So anyway, that's where I'm at. I'm, I, should... <laughs> I should what? Well, I'm, I'm glad you said that with me. I'm in massive oversharer, um, so I really appreciate that. My, my main thing is that I love poo stories. Like, I love it when people tell me really embarrassing stories about people <laughs> doing poos in <laughs> awkward places. So you telling me you're gassy is just great. <laughs> oh, you love a good embarrassing poop story, do you? Oh, I love... Well, I do, I do. I did actually listen to an episode about the poop story guy, like, I think it was one of your earlier episodes. Yeah, I went it was back a while and, like, ago. To them. I, didn't, I didn't find it... I don't find it as entertaining as most poo stories are. Maybe because there's a whole episode about poo stories. I feel like poo stories need to be like short and sharp, <laughs> in and out, maybe out, done. Like, so you would like one like this. Hypothetical example, not necessarily saying this did or didn't happen to me. I once shit my pants on yeah. a public bus in Queens, New York. <laughs> yeah. That's the kind of poop story. What happened afterwards? I got off the bus at my stop and waddled home in shame while everybody stared at me because I was clearly the source of the stench. Hypothetically. Hypothetically. But also also waddling home is the perfect image. Yeah, I did. I did waddle home. Yeah, I did indeed waddle home. My my friend... um, friend shit herself a lot and there's just so many stories about her like getting off the tube and just <laughs> running home <laughs> it's just so good I would love it I would love it if I drove six hours to a city that's not mine and you called from a different continent so we could talk about different times that not even you but your friend shit her pants that would be a perfect <laughs> entertainment experience to me that would be a perfect experience. <laughs> Is that sarcasm? <laughs> no, it's genuinely not. I, think, I also think poop stories are very funny. Not everybody does. I find them great. Now, that I, ha- now that I have a toddler as well, I- I've been raising a child, and the poop stories are just next level. Just next level. Mm. You ever changed a baby after he <laughs> ate corn? No. Luckily, I don't have children. Yeah, don't. Sorry. If, if you do someday, 
trick someone 24 to 48 hours after feeding them corn, just find any reason you can to dodge being the one to change the diaper. Because it is disturbing. It kind of makes sense, though. Like, if you look at your own shit after you've had corn, it's not great. So a, a baby, you just, you just shouldn't feed it corn. Like, your, your poor child is, doesn't have a choice in this matter, and you know it's going to happen. Just don't, just, just make the decision as an adult not to put, put your poor baby boy through that shit. shit. Yeah, no, I guess you're right. It's all my fault, yeah. It's your fault. It's my fault, yeah. I did give the child corn. I put the corn in. I guess I got to deal with the corn when it comes out. you got to reap what you sow, Chris. Reap Indeed. what you sow. And is it just poopy stories? Do you, like, throw-up stories, too? I got a lot of those. I don't know if Rochester's in the mood. Anything disgusting. I, I was recently I given an award. I was recently given an award by a New Jersey arts organization, and I was waiting for a car to come pick me up. And uh, I was holding my son, and as the car pulled into my driveway, my son just looked at me and vomited all over me, uh, and actually over my shoulder, down my back. So I, the driver was calling me like, "Where are you? We have to go." And I was changing my clothes, and my wife wasn't home yet. So she comes running in and there's just vomit everywhere and the baby's crying and I'm like about to cry. And then I went and I was honored as a notable New Jersey artist. <laughs> it's like 40 minutes ago, I was covered in another human's vomit. And now you're, we're on a fancy rooftop in Jersey City and I'm getting an award. This is a really good lesson to like, you know, people who want to be a celebrity. Like everyone's human. Everyone gets shit on them. Everyone gets vomited on. And it's I'm not glamorous. Barely you know, a celebrity. Not glamorous. <laughs> it's barely even okay I mean, to call yeah. me a celebrity. <laughs> I mean, okay, fine. Let's just let's just put you down a bit and be like, deal list celebrity. Uh, no, I'm joking. Chris, don't. That was just me being mean. You're not a dealer. No. You're 100. Let's put it like this. I routinely have people ask me if I played Toby on The Office, which I didn't, but I did play someone else on The Office, and they don't know. That's the exact level of celebrity I'm at. People think I'm Toby on The Office, even though I was also on The Office. That tells you a lot about my level least, of celebrity. But at least they know that you are on The Office. No, they, they don't. That's that my point. The They'll office. be like, Toby from The Office. I'll be like, that wasn't me. They'll be like, all right, fuck you, regular non-office person. I'm like, I played Trevor. They're like, no such thing. I'm like, it was after Steve Carell left. They're like, I stopped watching. Yeah, but you can just say, like, oh, I was on The Office. You don't have to be so honest with everybody. You know, this is, this is your fatal flaw, total honesty. Just be like, yeah, thanks, man, I was on the office. No, Don't have to say, like, I'm, what role? I should just claim I was Dwight and, and see know. how they react. Actually, I was Dwight, and then just look him dead in the eye. They're like, Toby, I'll be like, Dwight. I have to admit, Chris, are you going to lose me soon? Because I haven't watched more than half an episode of The Office. Oh, in either, it's like, the... British, English, slash American version. So I apologize. But I, you know, I know what you're talking about in general. Oh, it's but okay. Dwight is the, the, the idiot one. He's know. the Gareth. He's the Gareth of our show. Yeah, I don't know the characters. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, watched out. Oh, sorry, it's Chris. okay. If we have failed on chit chat um, about sitcoms, that's okay. We have not failed in chit chat. 
Yeah, we've chit-chatted hard. We have chit-chatted to a great degree. Here's what I love. We've had, yeah. We are 19 minutes into the phone call, and we know barely anything about you. <laughs> and yet I've still been having a lot of fun. <laughs> Yeah, me too. I have to admit, Chris, I probably should have said Derek, I have had a wine, a glass of wine, a couple of wines. I'm producing a show at the moment and some friends came, I had a few glasses of wine and Jared called me as I was walking back and I was like, it's not going to happen. I was breathless, I was excited, my knees nearly like gave way. So, I mean, the reason you probably don't know anything about me is because I'm probably censoring myself because I don't know what I'll say. So you're fucked but up. Fine. You're <laughs> fucked up or you're no, drunk? I'm not fucked up. You're I buzzed. Would, I'm not fucked up. I wouldn't call it I was fucked up. I just thought, I'm in a good place. Why didn't I? Because I've, I've thought about calling before and I've been like, what do I talk about? What's sad about my life? What can I bring forth that, like, you know, is, is, is interesting? I'm like, I, I don't think my life is that interesting. But I was like, why don't I have a conversation with Chris? But life's been great. And... And sex, I love talking about sex, and, which we need to get on to, but we, we can get on to. Let's get yeah, on to sex, yeah. <laughs> People in the crowd are yelling sex I want, at me. I don't want to excite you. I, I don't like want to excite this. you too much. I'll have another piece of I just have to thank you because there's women in the crowd yelling sex, and I just have to say, it doesn't usually happen to me <laughs> that I just show up someplace and people are like, women across the room are like, sex! Not the usual reaction I get. So let's talk about sex. Wait, do you want to sing the song? People in the crowd started to. Caller, if you want to lead them in it, I think they would sing along with you. Okay, everyone. The problem is, okay, before we start, I ruined my voice in the summer, and I've lost about an octave of my voice, so it's going to be awful. I'm already tone deaf. So I have a very limited... Ability Just go for so it, caller. They got, they're they so ready. <laughs> okay. Okay, everyone. <clears throat> you ready? Yeah. You have to say yes, Chris, because I can't hear them. Yeah, yeah they're saying yes. You have to say yes. Okay, yes. Yeah. Okay. Everyone, let's talk about sex, baby. Let's talk about me and you. Or you and me. <laughs> let's talk about all the good things and bad things. Mm-mm-mm. That's all I thought. Nailed it. Well done. Again. Well like done. Sex. Like sex. <laughs> okay, so you brought up sex. Okay. What did you have to say about it? Not, well, sorry that I keep bringing it up, but like, basically, I just realized that life goes on without sex. I was really re- very, very obsessed with having sex. You said you're very uh, obsessed with having sex? Please. I was, I was, I was a very, like, I am quite a sexual person, and I found a lot of, like, fun partners, and really enjoyed it, but since the pandemic, I've found so many ways to fill my time that I find so satisfying, I feel so happy in myself, which is what we were talking about before, so I feel like I just don't have space to want or to enjoy having sex with people, and I wonder whether I'm, like, I wonder whether it's me turning 30, am I losing my libido? Am I just really happy with myself? Or am I just not finding the right partners? I don't know. Well, I wonder if it's, I, I, I haven't read anything about it, but I wonder if there's other people out there going, 
during the pandemic, I didn't have time for dating. I didn't have time for sex. I didn't have time for hookups and all this. And I wound up being like super productive and focused on all these other things that are bringing me joy. I wonder if that's a common thing that hasn't really, uh, hasn't really been talked about too much yet. That's pretty fascinating stuff. So you were out there, you were, you, you were dating, you were hooking up. What are these hobbies that have filled your time instead? I was going to say, though, Chris, maybe we should ask the audience and get them to put their hands up. Ask them what? Is that too feeling? Like, have they found that they have found other hobbies that have entertainment so much that sex. You want me like to just ask the crowd? So anyone else, raise your hand if you during the pandemic realize <laughs> that you don't like sex because you found hobbies instead. It's a little weirder in a room full of your peers who can all see you, caller. Hence the anonymous half of the title of the show. Instead of just like, oh, amongst all your friends and neighbors in Rochester, amongst the small clique of people that know about this podcast, who hates sex? <laughs> <laughs> How many people put their hands up though? Uh, I don't think any. <laughs> from what I saw. Everyone so mostly alone. felt, okay. I think, vaguely uncomfortable about being put on the spot. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. But now you've made me feel alone. But that's okay. <laughs> they all feel bad now. Anyway. Yeah, thank you. Good. You should feel bad. No, you shouldn't. I'm, just, I'm experiencing this alone, this alone and it's very exciting. In a way. So you asked me what my hobbies are that have been filling the, the space, the, the metaphorical hole within my life. The and metaphorical <laughs> hole, yes. <laughs> the metaphorical hole. Yes. Yeah. And um, it, it's a really basic bitch thing, which is um, work and exercise. And also, like, Netflix. <laughs> Isn't that so sad? Chris, Wait, what have I become? It was work and exercise, and what was the last one? Netflix. Netflix. Okay. <laughs> well, or like any sort of streaming, you know, thing. But with friends and like hanging out and just seeing my mates, I haven't really, you know, like obviously things have moved on and we're able to see people, but like, it's just so nice to hang out. And also like, I really value my alone time a lot more, and the only times that I'd be like, oh, let's go out and do something. I'm like, but I would actually just prefer to just maybe have an early night and read a book and keep well. I, I'm middle-aged. I'm turning... I'm, I'm sorry to everybody who's middle-aged. But I, I feel like I'm, I'm aging for my eyes. But equally, the stuff that's filling my time is also like going out and having fun and partying. So maybe I'm just having too much fun being myself that I just don't want to... I feel like people are very clingy and very uh, demanding of my time. And I feel like I need freedom at all times and not be relying on anybody. So having sex with someone and then like if you have to sex with them again, you have to organize it, you have to feel like you want to. Like, all that sexy the second time. That's now, a lot of shit to go through, Chris. Well, Take call it, time you're going to be happy to hear that this crowd in Rochester, they can communicate with me <laughs> via hashtag and... <laughs> Um, you're not alone. You're not alone. Um, someone named Marin says spending time on sex is very 2019. Um, someone named Crandor says pandemic sex disinterest is real, I think. So it sounds like you got a couple other people in the room. 
Um, Russ points out we did not get permission to sing that song, so the copyright lawyers are going to crush us on that. Um, <laughs> Russ also says I that. The lyrics, Russ also says that if you're not having sex, some hobbies that could fill the time include standing against the dryer, driving down bumpy roads. <laughs> Um, Shalimar points out that there are a lot of couples here tonight. So when that, when I ask a room full of couples, hey, who doesn't like sex anymore? <laughs> a lot of couples could get themselves. You could get. Imagine if you just saw like one member of a couple raise their hand and the other one be like, just heartbroken to realize it. Um, and other people want to know. Um, oh, someone wants to know how much sex were you having? Yeah, that's a good question. Do you want to know? Yeah. <laughs> okay. Well, I mean, it sounds a little curious, but like pretty regular sex. It, I'm just trying to like, the, the years seem to like blend together, but I was quite like obsessed. I was on the, I was on the apps a lot, meeting up with people. I think I would say I would always have two people on the go pre-pandemic, at least. So I was sort of, Again. Mm -hmm. At least. So, like, pretty regular stuff. He's not in a relationship. So, first, oh, a couple other things that have come in is um, someone did say, <laughs> Allison did say, I would have raised my hand if I wasn't sitting next to my husband. We did just get that. <laughs> and uh, someone named Barf Poop says, Self sex is my new hobby. <laughs> Which, coming from <laughs> barf poop, not the most shocking. Also, someone just tweeted to let me... They changed their name. Maybe just for this. Maybe just to try to, just to, try to uh, impress you. Uh, and Chelpak says, I'm here with my mom, which this is turning into a very awkward show if you're here with your mom. Oh, let's pause there. You come out to a beautiful anonymous show and you bring your mom... I cannot guarantee that you will have a comfortable car ride home. Let's everybody just take a deep breath, listen to some ads, we'll be right back. Okay, that's it, that's all the ads. We're done with the ads, let's finish off this phone call. But here's my question is, do you look at your pre-temp pandemic life? Here's, here's the big question coming into my mind. And this is a trap that we've all fallen into that I, I feel like I've fallen into a couple times in my life. Do you feel like you're genuinely less interested in sex now? Or did this radical life change we didn't sign up for, do you maybe view your past sexual approach as, I know that there were stretches in my life where I might describe that I was never a, a huge player, but I was, you know, there was a stretch where I was single and I was living in Brooklyn and, and I was out there and I was getting around and dating to, to my comfort level. But where I look back, I go, oh, that was, I was filling a void a little bit. Uh, there was some self-esteem stuff mm. there that I was chasing. There were some endorphin rushes that came with that. But when I got past that, I would look back and go, oh, that was, that was, that was not, how would I say it? Like, that wasn't fulfilling the things that I thought it was fulfilling, and I'm finding other things that are fulfilling them, and it's changing my relationship with sex now in a way that's making it much healthier, even if it's less, like, getting out there, living this exciting, unexpected life. 
that side of it, maybe I was chasing something that wasn't the healthiest for me. I wonder, I wonder if you've thought about that balance. Yeah, I think 100%. Like, I think you go through um, peaks and troughs depending on what, what's going on in your relationship. Like during pandemic year where we were locked in at home, all I could think about was having sex and getting out and I was on the absolute happy people feeling frustrated. And then before that, I just ended a four-year relationship. And so it was sort of a year and a half after that. So when the pandemic hit. So there was like a year and a half where I was sort of like, I'm single, figuring out who I am. I'm alone. Not with my partner anymore. So the way to fill that like emotional hole is obviously to go out and get like validation elsewhere. So 100% it makes sense that that is like what would, that's what happened. But I kind of feel like this new state is also just as unhealthy. So I think you need, <laughs> don't, like, you know, correct me if I'm wrong, if you want to have future relationships, you do need to have sex with your partner. <laughs> and I'm worried that, like, just don't want that. Oh, so, <laughs> so I think there's a balance. Like, I feel like I've, I've missed that middle bit, that sweet spot, where either, like, I've just been having tons of sex and full of unfulfilling. Well, I have to be fair, some really lovely relationships in that time that haven't worked out. But I haven't found that, like, middle ground where I'm, like, having healthy, meaningful sex. I've just gone the other way where I've been, like, don't need it. I'm alone. I'm going to go to my new fad, which is CrossFit. I see what you mean uh, now. So so it's... Climb away the pain. So it's not just I used to, it's not just I used to have a lot of sex and now the pandemic's here and I'm not having sex and I don't really miss it. You're saying you're actually at a point where the pendulum swung where you're like, that's not my thing I'm feeling. And so you're feeling like it's crossed into a almost like an asexual place? Yeah, I it was my birthday a few months ago. And I was going around drunkly being like, I'm asexual. I think I'm asexual. And I was like, You're not asexual. I was like, you don't tell me what I am. And then, like, next week I had some, like, crazy maybe sex. But then, like, four, three weeks went past. I'm like, I just, I've had it. I don't, <laughs> I don't need it again. So I kind of wonder if there's, like, some sort of some something. I don't know if I'm asexual, but maybe I'm something sexual. Maybe demi I don't know. I don't know. I need to look at the terms properly. But nothing really fits. But the other thing, this is, is that I get a lot of, like, like, vaginal pain in general so it's like a massive turn off it anyway so it's sort of like I've got to really like someone or I've got to really want it for it to like actually worth it then afterwards I'm like well sort of hurt and also just it's just sort of like I could just do other things I just want to be clear because the connection was a little fuzzy you said there's pain and that's a massive turn off yeah. In the actual physical process of having sex. Yeah, and afterwards. So it's sort yeah. of like, it's something that I'm trying to figure out where it comes from. But it has definitely got worse this year, having not had regular sex. So I'm, I'm sort of, I, I, have no in, I have no incentive to, to go out and meet people. And it's also just a bit disappointing because you might like someone and then you're like, but am I be asked to? sleep with them again and then potentially like get a bladder infection or anything else. I guess I just feel like in general, it's one of these tricky things where it's totally, and I, and I have a feeling you probably think the same way of like, 
it's very confusing. And I imagine this is, it sounds like this is kind of a strange stretch for you to go from like, how did I go from someone who identified as being sort of proudly liberal sexually and, and, and enjoying myself to now someone who's like got almost an aversion to it. And then on the other hand, I'm also like, it's, it's, I wonder what it is that we're conditioned to allow sex to get us so deeply in our head so often. Like, I feel like the older I get, the more I'm just like, whatever you need to do to be happy, you should do it without the judgment of others and yourself. And we're also, we're also taught to like think so hard about this stuff. And I've fallen into that trap a hundred times myself. And it, 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 I also hear what you're saying though. If you're like, well, if I want to get back in a relationship someday, I'm going to want to be having sex with that person. But I'm inclined to believe you're going to meet somebody and you're going to go, this one. I wonder if you're going to meet somebody and you're going to go, I want to have a relationship with this person. And all of a sudden that sexuality is going to come back to life. I imagine that might be another thing. But it's easy to say that. I'm not the one all of a sudden going, I feel like my DNA has been reprogrammed (laughs) in this way. And I don't know if that's going to happen. But I'm sure you've considered that as well. well. Yeah. Yeah, I'm sure, you know, that's what I'm banking on, that if and when I want to have a relationship, which doesn't, it's not really something that I want right now, that it will, it will be right and it will feel right. And, you know, it, you sound like a psychic though, Chris. You're being like, you know, that's what a psychic would say to somebody, but you don't believe in that. But it's very encouraging. Not that I've been psychic, <laughs> but yeah. I am not psychic. I just want to go on record and say I am not psychic, nor have I ever claimed to be. Um, in no way am I trying to serve as your psychic right now uh, by predicting your sexual future. In fact, I would have to imagine that if you were looking for some sort of sexuality psychic, I would be the last person on earth you would seek out to be your sexuality psychic. We also did, someone did tweet at me. This one made me laugh. Uh, someone named Ryan in the crowd did tweet, this is what Chris's bragging looks like. I was doing things at my comfort level. That's me bragging about my sexual escapades. <laughs> Touche, Ryan. Touche. Comfortable sex, though, shouldn't be underrated. Like, they're under, underrated. Like, comfortable sex. You can't be comfortable. You know, you want to be with somebody that you can, like, in bed with that just saying you know now as you can imagine caller the crowd has a lot of opinions and questions and i'm also very happy to see a lot of the female members of the crowds are asking a crowd is asking questions um which makes it less awkward for me to ask some of these questions um but here's some opinions i really like people saying sex doesn't have to be a requirement it can just be an activity not everyone has a quote sexual appetite love that thank you so much Allison, um, people saying, Shalimar says, I think you can have lovely relationships without sex, but it needs to be up front that sex isn't a guarantee. Um, barf poop checking back in. <laughs> barf, poop, <laughs> barf poop just continues to say things that really make me feel like you picked the right name. Barf poop says... <laughs> Well, hold on, before you cheer. Barfoop says, I did bust a nut today with the help another, not with the help of, I'm reading this word for word. This is on you, Barfpoop. I did bust a nut today with the help another person that happens to be my spose, but still love it. And then put bread sexual. Um, 
And then we've got some questions coming in. And we can be bread sexuals together, Bob Poop. Bread sexual. <laughs> bread sexual. You are bread sexual, caller. That's what we've gotten to. Now, <laughs> here's a couple questions coming in. Mary wants to, I'll put three of them out there. Um, all at the same time. Mary wants to know if you're taking birth control, um, which sounds to me like there's people yeah. who have experience with birth control, and I, I imagine it can affect your sex drive. Um, there's someone else, Madeline is asking or saying it sounds like there could maybe be some trauma or the intense anxiety of the pandemic. I wonder if you're feeling like there's any trauma. And then Maria asking another question that I can read it off the screen when I don't know, I might be too bashful to go for myself. Do you find, are you masturbating a lot in this sexless stretch or are you just not sexual? I'm not masturbating that much, to be honest. I'm like once every two weeks. But I just think it's not, it's not much at all. So I don't think I am sexual. I'm not really horny at all. And so I can't, yeah, I, I'm, I'm not really turned on by anything at the moment. But I think that's fun just like firstly focused on other things, but also just not interested. In general, but also the question for birth control. The second question, yes, on birth control, I am. I have been for many, many years, and I did come off it, and it was awful. I came off it for a month, and my body changed in ways that were just horrifying. So I think I'll probably stay on that for for a while longer. Probably should talk to a doctor about that. Um, what was the second question, Chris? Wanted Someone that. wanted to know, and they, they were relating it specifically to the pandemic, but I feel like it could open oh, up a lot of if there's mm. ever been any sexual trauma in your life, um, which is no, so I sadly haven't. common. I mean, I think that every woman has experienced some sort of sexual trauma. I don't think I have like a reportable sexual trauma, but I think that I have experienced some degree of, some degree of sexual trauma. And... It's something that I have worked through previously. I haven't really, it was, you know, it did pop up in my early 20s, but it hasn't really been something that I've thought about. But potentially I do, I think I have physical, like, physical trauma that it's not met, like, I don't, I don't think I'm conscious of it, but I do think it is physical. And I'm sort of, I want to explore further, like, vaginismus, which is, like, having unexplained pain in your vagina where it's sort of just, like, clamps down where you can't, like, insert anything in, which is not necessarily a problem for me, but I think there's some version of vaginismus that I need to sort of get to the bottom of, which I am. I'm going to the NHS, which obviously, like, free healthcare in the UK, which is amazing. It is a bit slow. It's getting a, cheers a, in America. Someone in the front row just went, woohoo, at the idea of having healthcare. <laughs> That's where we're at. That's yeah. where we're at. The UK rocks, guys. Um, now, caller, but, I, I, I want to ask a follow-up question to that. First, though, just because things got kind of philosophical, maybe even a little heavy, here's one that I think will make you laugh. This was sent in a while ago, but I want to double back to it. Is that okay? Yeah. Uh, Wendell says, I once shit myself on my school bus on my way to high school. My best friend joined me on the bench seat and immediately asked, ooh, who shit themselves? And I was like, yeah, who smells like shit? Okay. <laughs> oh, it's so good. Have you guys, okay, do you guys have sex education? Do we the, have... The Netflix series over there. Oh, it sounds not, like... Not do... actual sex ed. 
but like the series. On we Netflix. have both. We have both. Yeah, we have both Sex okay. Education and have the you... Netflix series. I haven't watched it myself, but yeah. the crowd has. Okay, because that is the best episode ever made of like the best TV episode ever, in my opinion, which involves a poo. <laughs> Honestly, I just I think it I think it tickled me more than anything has ever tickled me before, and. If anyone hasn't watched Sex Education, watch the first two series just to get to the third season and watch this episode about Pooh. It, it, it's epic. But it, it should be lit up in light yeah, that episode. Okay. Now, I guess a question. As you're talking... <laughs> Well, to take it back to what we were talking about, I do feel like I got to ask. Yeah, yeah. We've been thinking about this as like, oh, there was this life shift from the pandemic and it kind of has made you sort of really feel comfortable as this productive, non-sexual person finding other hobbies to fill the hole. We were laughing about the phrase, (laughs) fill the hole. Um, But then you also mentioned this pain. So I do wonder, you're going to the NHS, so you're, you're going to see doctors to see if there is some physical aspect to this too. Yeah. That's good. Yeah. That's good. Okay. Like blood tests and ultrasounds and stuff. Okay. Okay. But I don't think I'll find anything. I, I, I'm sure it's just mental. Maybe I'm just, I'm just trying to be somebody that I'm not. Maybe that's what this year is about. Or the last year has been you, about. Is well, wait. What do you mean by that? You're trying to be somebody that you're person. not. What does that mean? Oh, I maybe I was trying to be somebody that I was not. Like uh. I love talking about sex and gross things that everybody does not that sex is gross but like just the like commonality of sex and poo and bombing and whatever maybe I'm just not that person maybe I'm uh, whatever sexual toast bread sexual pasta sexual definitely pasta sexual person I who do, uh, loves to I do have to say like we were joking about it before but I, I genuinely think you, when you were talking about sourdough toast, it was more sexual than you were when you were talking about actual sexual intercourse. And that is pretty revealing. <laughs> I still have a half piece of toast actually in front of me. So. Oh, you do? You're just going to savor it and wait for later. You're going to tease it. You're not going to give that toast the satisfaction of being eaten just yet. Oh, Chris, I already gave in. I'm sorry. I tried to tease it, but it was looking at me funny, and I just had to teach it a lesson. You wanted to hold out, but that toast just, you looked at it, and you said, sometimes it's not up to me. Sometimes it's a physical need. So you just popped that toast in your mouth, and you went to town. It wanted it, though, Chris. It definitely, it was... It was was consensual toast. It was consensual toast. It it said, please eat me, and I said, I will... Because you want me to eat you. Listen, <laughs> if, there's one, if there's one thing that I'm going to say, it's that I always encourage consensual toast eating and consensual everything. <laughs> like, but once again, us making jokes about, sex, about toast being sexual was more sexual than frank talk about sexuality, uh, which tells us it's real. Other things coming in. Um, Michaela agrees with you. Sex Education is a phenomenal show. Um, Shalimar likes that you plugged the show Sex Education and not um, something I was a part of. Thank you for that. Shalimar says, caller plugging something other than Chris's show. Well done. Um, Kelly Spence says, the mental and physical are often closely linked. Don't minimize one or the other. Glad you're getting checked out. Brandon says, life is fluid. Caller, you will be fine. 
I like that. And then Madeline says something that I think is really true. I don't think any of us knew who we were before the pandemic. And that feels really oh, fucking true yeah. to me. Oh my God. Yeah. You're, now a, you're now a Rhode Island, is that where you live? Rhode Island living suburban man. <laughs> and you were a city dwelling. I live in something else before. <laughs> I live in I live in New Jersey, but it's okay. It's okay. Rhode Island's also small. Rhode Island's so my, another small northeastern state. It's fine. I'm not offended. I'm not offended. <laughs> you live outside of New York and therefore you're no longer a New Yorker. You never a New No, it's okay. I just wonder if in England you know that that's like kind of a thing, that's kind of a sore spot to say to somebody who moved out of New York. I don't know that I ever totally claimed to be a New Yorker, though. I, I feel like I've, I lived in New York for 16 years, and I never shut the fuck up about New Jersey the whole time, so I always felt like I was pretty honest about that. I think I enjoyed my time in New York greatly, and I identify as a, a New York comedian, but I always had Jersey in my guts. So I'm not mad at you. Yeah. Glad you're not mad, because we would have issues if you were angry at me. But you can take it up with me later. We can fight it out. No, I'm not going to follow up with you to get in a fight about this once. <laughs> <laughs> no, but you could, we could do some like jiu-jitsu or something and like, you know, get our anger out about my like lack of sexuality and, and me about insulting your like, where you come from. So you, you want to physically person. wrestle me to <laughs> vent your feelings <laughs> about your lack of sexuality? That sounds inappropriate. Yeah. <laughs> that sounds inappropriate. <laughs> Do you do jujitsu? Uh, what about what about this what about this call has been appropriate though, Chris? What about what? Let's be honest. <laughs> what about this call has been appropriate though? So. Yeah, well we've had fun. I think that idea <laughs> I actually think that 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 person in the crowd who said none of us knew who we were before the pandemic, I feel completely changed by it in ways that are very mm. very good and very bad. I had some stretches that were extremely scary and I look back and I realize I think that was like me mentally kind of realizing, oh, there's all sorts of stuff about myself that I was kind of moving too quickly to embrace or recognize or deal with. And uh, I, that sounds on the money to me that this has got to be your version of that, right? Of like kind of redefining your view of your, your own sexuality and who you are as a sexual person. That's a head trippy thing. For me, there's all sorts of stuff. Yeah. Definitely. I think, um, weirdly, I felt really, like, balanced through the pandemic. I don't know. I had, like, a, a steady job doing something else. And then, like, as I realized that things were opening up, I had my, like, breakdown of, like, who am I? What do I want to be? Because everything was so static during the pandemic. Nothing really changed. You could kind of just settle. But, like, once everything opened up, you suddenly had to think about, like, what did you actually want to do? Where do you actually want to be? Yeah. And that was the most fucked up part, like, Everyone got very depressed and sad during the pandemic, but I was kind of like okay-ish. Obviously, it was a horrible time, and but the real like down period was just as everything was opening up in the UK, and I was fucking weird. Yeah, but I don't, I don't, I don't know if that necessarily has anything to do with sex. I think that's just that was just my reaction. Not necessarily anything to do with. It probably all mixes together. 
for me, I feel like I just had this stretch of realizing like, oh, I don't get to go on the road anymore. And there's no, like, I, I got very lucky, mostly because of Beautiful Anonymous, I was able to survive and work from home and, and, uh, and, and have a safety net. And I'm so thankful for the show, but then so many other aspects of my life were defined by like comedy and going on the road and doing stuff on TV and chasing that. And it was all very exciting. And then I was like home and I was like, oh, like, I don't care any, I don't care about anything except being a dad anymore. Like, I don't care about anything mm -hmm. except hanging out with this little boy. And uh, that, that was like really jarring because it was my whole identity and then also really good. Mm -hmm. But then also really scary to realize like, oh, that is like far more daunting a responsibility than anything else I've ever done in my life. But then I'm also sitting here going, but it's so much more simple, so much less complicated than everything else. It's weird. And then so much of it too. It's like, you, I'm like, I've done pretty okay in life the past handful of years. So we have some breathing room as a family. And I, I lost my health insurance in the middle of it. I'm sitting here going like, we were joking about cheering the NHS before, but I'm like, the amount by which we are controlled in this country. And I'm not trying to sound like, so there's enough podcasts where you can find conspiracy people, but I just go, man, do they have us by the ball since we don't have health insurance unless we work jobs that we don't like. Like they just have us by the balls on that. Like we don't get to define aspect. We don't, we have, I think in America, we've all realized like our ability to define our lives, the borders of our lives remain very, very narrow. Because when you come out of high school or college, however far you take it, you get on a track. And then if you want to get off that track, you are putting your fucking health on the line to try to change your life. So if you don't want to work for 50 fucking years doing the same thing, this might mean you might go and have a bunch of years where if you break your leg, you're fucked. Like that feels like a sick level of control to me. And I think so many of us in this country are just realizing, I think the pandemic there's all these think pieces about why is everybody quitting their jobs and this and that it's like well it's pretty simple it's because i think a lot of us have realized like all the shit we get from our jobs was controlling us and it's fucked up and it's scary so if we reject it first at least we have some sense of agency over being in a system that feels rigged in that way so i think that's part of the american side of it i wish it's so weird because obviously we don't have that in the UK, but from the outside, as you say that, like obviously I'm aware of the health insurance side of like working in the US, but it sounds dystopic from my point of view, like from the outside. I think a lot of us the, are realizing that it is. Like it's, yeah, yeah, here, barf terrifying. poop again. Words of wisdom from barf poop. We were all so far up our asses pre-pandemic. It gave us the time to really slow down and contemplate. Turned off auto mode and think about what you really need and want in life. Who expected words of wisdom like that from the same guy who just told us he busted a nut earlier? Who told us? Colonel Conspicuous saying, how much does it say about us as a society when someone who's discovered what actually makes them happy questions themselves because that thing doesn't happen to be sex? That's very astute, very astute. We're all, Wait, repeat that. Say that again. Say that again. Just saying, that like, again. it's, again, a strange control mechanism that everything is so overly sexualized and from, you know, media and imagery when we're young and the way you even think about how yeah. children are taught to kind of, like, dress more and more sexual when they get to certain ages. And the examples are set that for you to sit here and go, I'm feeling so happy in life and professionally and I'm working in theater and I'm producing things I'm proud of and in so many ways life is great, but I'm deeply in my head because my sex life is... is 
is, is not even bad. I'm conditioned to say the word bad. It's existing in this way that does mm-hmm. not feel accurate to what was true before. And to go, oh, we so closely connect happiness and sex in our minds that this is an issue that trips us up. And even that feels like a strange control thing. Like if you're happier in life and you're not having sex, I think that's okay is what it comes down to. Yeah, it's all about the triangle. You've got to have a balance. So we like work, life, and friendship, or work, sex, and friendship, or whatever. But it's so weird, though. Like the the the, the fear. I think of, I think what's connected to the the fear of not being sexual is ultimately not that I want to be with anyone at the moment, but like ending up alone as you get older and being that person who is potentially not with somebody, and everyone's in a partnership and having kids and whatever, and you're that single person that, like, owns cats or, like, races horses. I don't know. I don't know what horses get, but, like, something that is a bit... You're just that single person, and you're slightly outside of the group that you existed in. And that's the only reason that I think, potentially, I'm, I'm sort of focused on the sex side of things, because if you don't find somebody who understands that you may not be as sexual as them, then like you could end up alone and not that being alone is bad I think it is great but there is a fear of the unknown because obviously you see your parents who may or may not be together so if they're together you see the unknown if they're not being together if you see your parents separated you see how potentially they might not be happy when they're separated and therefore you're like fuck I want to be with somebody who's my partner and like and best friend and probably having sex is, is required for most of the population I mean, I, I totally get it. It makes me feel like, you know, there's so many philosophies about being present. And it is, there is a good reminder in here of like, whoever you were before was happy in a different way. Whoever you're worried about, you know, if you're worried about turning into a cat lady down the line, that might be a thing, but that's not happening right now. But if you say right now, you've been very content and very happy with life. Yeah. I think we got to all remind ourselves. to me? Well, future you is going to figure it out when future you exists, but future you isn't here yet. It's you yeah. right now. And that is, that's another pandemic thing, right, that I've learned is like, if I can stop worrying about what's going to happen two years from now, if I can stop worrying about what's going to happen five years from now and just look around and just go, oh, I'm actually pretty happy in the moment, I think it's a shame that we all let those things go by. And it sounds like if you're happy now, you'll be happy right now. And if you're happy getting laid six months from now, then you'll be happy doing that. And if you're not, I bet you'll still be finding contentment in whatever you're doing. And that's cool too. Who yeah, are... well, you've got to check in in six months' time, Chris. Find out whether I'm shagging or not. I would love a follow-up call in a year that's just straight up. Let's find out <laughs> if that one caller's out there fucking or not. Let's uh, follow back up. But I think, I, listen, I don't know how much you know about the breakdown of different cities in New York. It is not shocking to me that I came to Rochester and we had a steamy call focused intensely on sexuality. I think we all know the reputation of Rochester, New York is New York's most sexual city. I think we all know that. I kid. That is definitely Utica. That is definitely... <laughs> kidding. It totally lost on me. I'm but, I know. But. I know. Listen, we have... Go, go. I mean... Oh. What's up? I know. What did you say? We have... I was going to say we have two minutes left, and I definitely want to read you at least this one more tweet. Um, 
someone let me know this, and I think you'll just enjoy it. Um, first of all, I want to say I'm on my girlfriend's Twitter, clearly so if anybody tracks it down, you don't harass this person. Uh, I'm on my girlfriend's Twitter. I shit myself on a ski lift. <laughs> Waddling home from a bus is bad. Try skiing a bunny slope with a ski suit full of diarrhea. <laughs> Oh, thank you. That is a beautiful image and story. And you know what? What a horrible experience that we all got to imagine. Thank you. Thank you so much. That is so funny. <laughs> you know what? I've never shit myself in an embarrassing way, and I'm so sad because I would literally lord and talk about that so much. And I have to just live through other people's stories. That and bums me out more than you Maybe not I'm having sex. You love diarrhea stories so much. You need to go have diarrhea someplace shameful and public. You need to top ski suit. That's so funny, doing diarrhea on a ski lift and then you got to ski back down still? There's a little trail of brown down on the white snow coming out by the ankle cuff. Anyway. Oh, God. And also to think about the bumps and just like... <laughs> The, the feeling what if of it, you by fall? Riding up against your bum, up and down. I've so, never... And, not, and also, Chris, you've got to remember, <laughs> like, you've got to take the skis off and carry them to the locker or to your car or walk them to wherever you're staying. Like, it's not just get off the slope. There's, like, a whole 20-minute section afterwards that you have to, like, shit, sit in your shit. Oh, I've That's never been story. skiing in my oh. life, and right now I've never been more glad. That's so <laughs> funny. Skiing down a slope with a... I love, I'm on my girlfriend's Twitter. I love it. That Twitter account will be deleted <laughs> eight minutes after this show ends. I, I didn't say the name though, so. Anyway. How do I find the Twitter? Oh, what do don't, I do? Do I just go on your Twitter? Well, I'm not going to go ahead and out this person now. Um, now call her. But I mean, it's just on your Twitter. Yeah, our, yeah. Sorry, Chris. Please continue. Our time is up. We've gone through an hour. <gasps> I want you to know this was charming and it was funny and it was all over the map and I'm glad that we talked about toast and sex and theater and motivation and that it got philosophical and that we talked about um, diarrhea uh, in, on multiple continents and most of all, well, that's one of the things I really walk away with thinking is so many people in the crowd were tweeting at me. Well, so many people were tweeting me in the crowd and it's saying some version of, for them, it wasn't in their sexual behavior, but all of us had to kind of redefine our behavior. All of us are figuring out who we are once again. All of us are changing. And I hope that, uh, I hope that you feel faith in that. And I really hope that in, these, in this stretch where you started off by saying how life is so good, I hope that that's the predominant thing. I hope when you go to the NHS, your lovely free healthcare system, that, that they tell you everything's okay physically. And I hope that when you're ready to start getting out there and being sexual again, that that feels natural and free and fun and that you don't overthink it too much now because if you're happy and you're doing good, I think that that's incredible. And we spend too much time worrying about all the blanks that aren't filled in. And I hope you enjoy the good parts. Thanks, Chris. That's beautiful. Thanks again to so many people. First and foremost, our caller. Secondly, everybody in Rochester who showed up. The venue for having us. Jared O'Connell, who's been such a huge part of the show and who also ate garbage plates in Rochester with me and slept in a weird Airbnb. 
Thanks to Anita Flores. Thanks to Marcus Hom. Thanks to Shell Shag for the music. Hey, wherever you listen, there's a button that says subscribe or follow, something like that. Hit it. It helps us so much when you do. Don't forget our merch, podswag.com. And hey, uh, if you want to go and get the show without ads, as well as tons of other great shows without ads, stitcher.com, right? Stitcher Premium. Check it out. Enjoy it. Thanks, everybody. I know this one, this outro. Let's be honest. You can tell I don't have the usual bullet points in front of me, but I'm on vacation. I'm in an RV. So I'm gonna uh, keep this one relaxed. I thanked everybody who needed to be thanked. It's the most important thing. And yeah, sign up for all this stuff. Buy some mugs. Yeah.